Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Opponents Roundtable. Uh, we're here with Alex Gleitman of the Buckeye Huddle no affiliation with Hoosier Huddle other than a mutual friend. Uh, but we're here to talk the IU opener against the Ohio State Buckeyes on September 2nd. Now, as we are recording, um, we're recording on August 23rd. So about 10 days prior to kickoff, a lot can change uh, in terms of injury announcements, starter and non-starter announcements and all that stuff. But Alex, welcome back to the show. Happy to have you on again. Uh, getting started a little earlier this year than in, than in uh, years past. But how are we doing? Hey, man, I'm I'm always happy to join this show. Great to talk. And Hoosiers excited for college football this weekend is the first weekend or the last. This past weekend was the last weekend until 2024 that we don't have college football. So. Uh, Really excited about, you know, just the season starting again and, and all the buzz that's happening. Yeah, a lot of – I'm so sick of this offseason with conference realignment, conference consolidation, TV deals, who's going where, you know, are Oxford and, and uh, all those English schools coming over to the Big Ten or the ACC. They are on the <laughs> Atlantic coast, um, you know. Uh, I'm just I'm ready to, for games to start, even if it's New Mexico State, UMass. Let, let's let's rock. Um, let's talk about Ohio State a little bit. Coming off a year, or like a down year at eleven and two. Uh, you know, you, you, uh, a loss to Michigan at home, a real narrow loss to Georgia in the college football semifinal, a missed field goal. Some other things didn't go Ohio State's way in that game. And you could argue that they were whatever twenty feet away from from winning a national title. If you know, you think that if they beat Georgia, they they could handle TCU. But um, what, what's the feeling around Columbus these days? I actually think you know they lost that last game. That um, it was kind of like a positive, I guess, for the program in a way because you know to your point, like they lost to Michigan, they got killed by Michigan. In second in a row, lost by over 20 points. Very disappointing. You know, what is the program like? They got a little bit of help on championship weekend and kind of backed in a little bit to the playoff. I mean, there was probably an argument that you could have put Ohio State over TCU from a pure, like, if they played head-to-head, who, who would be the better team? And that's how they're kind of supposed to rank. They're supposed to rank them as, like, the four best teams, not, like, you know, kind of most deserving, I guess. Um, but... And we could have had Ohio State, Michigan. I think that would have been awesome again in the playoff. But they got Georgia. And I think anyone who watched that game objectively would say for, you know, I don't know what what was it. It was like, I'd say 95% of the game, they basically outplayed now the two-time national champion. They were up 15 points with like whatever it was, seven minutes left. Their defense kind of 
I thought pl- they should have been playing almost like a prevent, like keep everything in front of you type of defense. And, and, and that, you know, really is what did them in. Like Georgia was able to score so quickly. Um, it wasn't that Georgia scored. It was that they were able to score so quickly. Ohio state, obviously, you know, you mentioned the missed field goal, but I think more so like, I think Ohio state fans look at the questionable non-call against Marvin Harrison jr., which would have given them a first and goal at the one, um, for uh, either, you know, whether you call it unnecessary roughness or targeting or whatever. And then instead of a field goal on that drive, maybe they punch it in for a touchdown and probably ice the game or they at least they, they have Marvin Harrison Jr. If he doesn't get hurt on that play for the rest of the game to kind of not a little bit more. And so, you know, long story short, excuses aside, I, I think what I'm getting at is they were very, very close despite a terrible loss to Michigan was left a very sour taste in their mouth um to winning a title as you said i think i mean michigan lost tcu and who knows any given saturday or sunday or monday i guess on a a championship game but you saw what georgia did to tcu i think ohio state would have at least won the game even if by one point um so they were so close to a national title despite what you know seemed terrible before then i think that that gave if they came out and they got crushed by georgia i think be a very different feel is where i'm getting at and I think it gave people a lot of optimism that Ohio State still is one of the elite programs in college football. And that just because they lost to Michigan two years in a row that, you know, they can't compete with Georgia or Alabama or, Clemson, you know, Clemson. Yeah, one of the big stories uh, coming out of maybe like the second best program in college football. Yeah, come, one of the big stories coming out. It's almost like the the uh, the entire Big Ten. Hold on or internet issues here I'm gonna switch it up oh you froze on me yeah uh sorry internet issues here must okay. be the outstanding heat here in indianapolis the heat index is in 105 <laughs> so hope, hopefully we're back um apologize for the technical difficulties uh but a storyline along all the Big Ten teams it seems is is the quarterback battle and it's no different at Ohio State CJ Stroud is uh, onto the NFL. You have Devin Brown and Kyle McCord battling it out. How is that going? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's it, it's a true battle. Um, two five star kids. It's what I was told over the weekend. It was it was pretty much a dead heat. Ryan Day kind of took like a, a coach's straw poll just to get some opinions, and it, it was fairly even between the two. I, I heard at first McCord was kind of the favorite. Then Brown had a little momentum here this week that maybe Kyle McCord I've, from two pretty good sources that McCord maybe has the slight leg up, but they're not ready to name a starter yet. And I don't know if they ever will publicly. Um, I think we might, you know, be watching that game on CBS on, you know, next Saturday and see who trots out there first and see if they play, you know, the series after the first one and the set, you know, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing kind of went into the first couple of weeks of the season where they're kind of doing like what Michigan did last year and kind of splitting halves maybe in the first game. Then one starts one game, one starts the next game before their Notre Dame game in week four. But I do think they want to settle on a quarterback. I think they want to settle this week, but one guy has to pull ahead of the other. But I think the good is it's not like both are playing mediocre, both are playing bad. I think both are playing really well from what I understand in camp. And it's just, you have to, that's a really that's a very important decision when you're talking about trying to win a national championship this year. So I think Kyle McCord has the edge, but this battle is not over yet. And I think uh, we may not know publicly if it's over until uh, we see them take the field in Bloomington next Saturday. 
Yeah, as a message for PSA for all the IU fans, IU is not the only team who are not publicly disclosing their quarterback battle. Alex, it kind of reminds me of the 2015 Buckeyes with Cardell Jones, I think it was JT Barrett um, at, at quarterback where they kind of switched it and went back and forth. Um, but let's move on to the other position battles on offense, maybe not as talked about nationally or within the Big Ten is the offensive line. Uh, three starters from last year have gone to the NFL. You know, the offense goes as the offensive line goes. How does the offensive line, you know, look? How does it shake out for, for Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, look, this was an area where I was very concerned, and I think the staff was very concerned, especially coming out of spring ball, but they were able to add a transfer in Josh Simmons, who started as a redshirt freshman at San Diego State last year. Um, Carson Hinsman, who's a second-year player out of Wisconsin, um, picked the Buckeyes over the Badgers, which is really rare to see, um, but he's kind of emerged as a as the likely center candidate. They bring back both guards um, and Josh Fryer, who's kind of a veteran. He's, he's played guard. He's played tackle for Ohio state um, with injuries and things like that. He was pretty much locked into one of the two tackle spots, but they had him on the left side. Now he's moved over to the right side because Simmons has emerged as kind of the, the best left tackle option. So I think things are starting to come into focus. Um, I still think until they're out there, we don't fully know, but there seems to be more confidence as camp goes on that they feel good about Josh Simmons at left tackle. They feel good about Josh Fryer, right tackle. They feel good about Carson Hinsman at center. Their guards are returning from last year. So these guys just need to gel. They need to perform. And I think most importantly, they need to stay healthy because I'll say the depth behind them is not that deep. Um, and so I think, you know, they're starting five. They might feel good about, but if you get an injury, you get, you know, things happen during the course of a college football season. I think that's where, there definitely would be more concern, but um, you know, Justin Fry, former Hoosier doing a good job coaching them up as the offensive line coach at Ohio state. For those who, who didn't know that, that little tidbit, um, you know, he's got his work cut out for him for sure. And in, in making sure this unit it's, it's not always, you know, the five best players, it's the five best player. It's the five players who can work best together as one unit sometimes on the offensive line. And I think that that's really what they're kind of going for this year versus the past couple of years where their O-line I think has been good, not great, but has had great players that never really like fully worked together the way I've seen some Ohio state lines work together. Yeah. Justin Fry is also a follower of Hoosier huddle. Uh, still, still follows his, his Hoosiers. Uh, the strength of this Ohio state offense is the wide receivers. You have all universe wide receiver, Marvin Harrison, who just looks like, I mean, he, he plays like his dad, except he's six foot four and built like an absolute machine. Um, how good of a season is Marvin Harrison expecting? And could he kind of do what Jackson Smith at Jigba did last year, where you know if something hurts, does he call it a year and and kind of protect himself? Because he is a surefire first round pick. Yeah, I mean, and. and- to be fair to JSN, like he tried, he really did try to come back throughout the year. Like he did everything he could and it just never, even when he thought he was right, it would just like, he'd practice, he'd go full go, he'd come back for like a game. And then like, he would just tweak it again. And then like, yeah, like toward the end of the year, like he probably could have played in the college football playoff, but at that point he called it. I don't, I don't think Marvin would do that. Just like, I think if Jackson could have came back mid-year, he would have. 
Um, I think to come back and play like one game and potentially risk millions of dollars, I, you know, put yourself in that position. But yep. I think if Marvin was in that position, you know, maybe he'd have a business decision to make, but I think, you know, if he got hurt early on and he'd have a chance to come back for like the back half of the season, I think he'd play. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's expecting to have a huge year. I mean, he's expecting, he's expecting to be in New York at the end of the year as a Heisman candidate. So We'll see if that happens. It's really Devonte Smith did it a couple of years ago. It's it's hard for a receiver to win the Heisman these days. But as you said, if anyone's got an opportunity, it's him. But I think if nothing else, you know, there's a lot of other good receivers on that on this team, and you know, maybe they'll benefit from all the attention Marvin will get this year too. So, I mean, he's almost unguardable. There was a catch he made against IU last year where he had like a defender push him. He looked like he was a yard or two out of bounds. He still got a toe in. Um, who should IU fans know about on offense are guys who are not the quarterback and guys not named Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I mean, look, there's the big names. Everyone knows the running backs, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, Chip Trainum, Evan Pryor. They run, they go five deep in the running back room. All of those guys I think could be starters on pretty much every big 10 team, maybe other than like Michigan and Wisconsin. Um, you know, I think Emeka Buka is the number two. He's also projected to be a first round pick as a junior in the NFL draft um, next spring. They got Julian Fleming at wide receiver. Um, they got Jaden Ballard. I think that one guy I would keep my eye on. I'm curious to see how much he plays uh, is Carnell Tate, a true freshman, uh, five star kid. He has been Emeka Buka talked about him earlier today that um, or sorry, Marvin Harrison actually talked about him earlier today that. He said as a freshman, Tate is where he was from a development IQ physical standpoint last year as a sophomore. And we saw how good Marvin Harrison was. So when someone like that is is making that statement and from everything we've he been hearing in practice as an early enrollee, all that stuff, I think this is a kid who could emerge as a impact player as a freshman. And then, you know, I would say the other guy, just to, to note, tight end Kate Stover, I think, especially with a new quarterback, a new line. You think about like check downs or short passes and things like that, being able to kind of have like a, a lifeline in that tight end a little bit. So um, those are, those are all the players on offense that I, I think you got to watch out for this week. So everybody, <laughs> everybody, but, everybody, you know, yeah. yeah but like, yeah. you know, the run, the two running backs, Henderson and Williams, yeah. um, I would say obviously Egbuka and then Stover, are probably the main, main guys that, you know, are going to hurt you outside of Harrison. Yeah, uh, switching to the defensive side of the ball, um, the last two games of the year really left a sour taste uh, on with, with Jim Knowles' defense. It's year two. Um, how much more comfortable do you expect this defense to be, and how how much better does that make them be? Yeah, it, it's really crazy when you think about it. Um, ever since Greg Schiano left after the 2018 season, uh, Ohio State had Jeff Halfley in 2019 as their defensive corner. They brought in Kerry Combs in 2020, which was the COVID year. So it was weird because they didn't have really an opportunity to like work with him. They have a full off season, have the spring ball, all that stuff. So while he was there two consecutive years, 2020 and 2021, the first year I would say they didn't really have two full years, two full off seasons of like working in the same system there. And Kerry was kind of forced to run a system. He didn't really want to run anyway. 
They now have Jim Knowles. So really for the first time since Gianna, I'll say they have a defensive coordinator two years in a row. I think their talent, um, you know, the, the experience they bring back and the talent they have is the best it's been since that 2019 defense under Jeff Halfley. Um, and as you said, Jim Knowles now kind of getting his feet under him a little bit, learning how to work with the rest of the staff, all of which, by the way, on the defensive side of the ball were new last year, other than Larry Johnson. Um, and you have an offensive head coach, so it's not like, you know, there was anything there. So new system, new terminology, new players, new place, new staff, like all those things are now behind them. Feet is under him. He's a really smart guy. I, I think the thing I admire the most about him is he takes accountability, like in a game where they don't play well, like you, you hear a lot of excuses from coaches or players or whatever. Like Jim Knowles is the first one to line up and say like, this is on me. I got to get this fixed. Like the buck stops here. And I think he's really taken that to heart. He's already talked about things like not like, I think at Oklahoma state or Duke, you have to take more risks. You have to be a little bit more aggressive um, when you don't have the same talent as the team across from you, the Oklahoma's, the Texas's, the Clemson's, the Florida state's, whatever it may be at Ohio state, you have, just as good talent as almost every single program in the country. You don't have to kind of draw those wild blitzes up or things like that, that leave you exposed in the back. end. that, you know, some of the plays you saw Georgia or Michigan take advantage of late in those games. And I think he's recognized that he's talked about that. And I think, you know, they might play a little bit less flashy this year, but I think at the same time, it's going to be a little bit more effective. So I expect them to have a top five defense in the country this year. I think honestly, anything less with the talent they have and Knowles in a second year is, is a little bit of a disappointment. And I know it sounds crazy to say that, but I think that that's kind of the standard of what you expect from an Ohio state defense historically. Yeah, of course. Uh, I use defensive play callers, Matt Guerrero. He comes over from being an analyst at, I, uh, at, at Ohio state. I'll put you on the spot a little bit, just briefly. What should IU fans expect from Matt Guerrero? Yeah, I think Matt's a great coach. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator or, or he was pretty high. He might've been co at at some point of Duke. I think, Um, you know, he coached under Knowles. He's, he's like getting him last year as like a analyst or whatever they had him as was like Ohio state was a steal. Um, I think he's a really good coach. He's a good recruiter. Um, he's going to be aggressive. He's gonna, he's gonna like, kind of like what I was just talking about with Oklahoma state and Duke, where you don't have the talent that Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state have, or, or, or programs like that. He's going to draw some things up that are going to, you know, confuse the opposing quarterback and the uh, opposing staff on the offensive side of the ball. And he's going to, you know, create chaos and havoc a little bit. So I really love that hire. Um, I, I hated to see Ohio state. Uh, I think I froze again. Yeah, you froze a little bit. Yeah. All right. We're back. Um, yeah. Internet's unstable. Uh, everything's unstable. The college football's got to return. <laughs> Alex, let's look at big picture. Going into the season, what area are you most comfortable with with this team? Yeah, I think um, I think receiver. I think the skill positions on offense, you know, as, as I was trying to, you know, give you guys a couple names. <laughs> so I rattled off everyone. I think skill position on offense is where you're most comfortable um, on defense. I'd have to say probably the linebacking core. They bring back Tommy Eichenberg and steel chambers. They have really good players behind them. I'm comfortable with the other units on defense, honestly, but I think when you talk about most comfortable skill position on offense and linebackers on defense. And where are you most concerned? 
Yeah, you know, I think the offensive line, um, you know, replacing three guys who got picked in the NFL draft is never easy. Um, and as I mentioned, I don't they haven't done a great job recruiting the offensive line. Fry came in last year. He definitely had brought in a good class, but the guy before them, Greg Sajora, wasn't the best recruiter. While I think he was a pretty decent O-line coach, he just the cupboards the cupboards bare, but the cupboards not stocked like it should be at Ohio State. And so that that's really concerning for me, both from a depth perspective. From also the starting five, you don't know what what you're really going to get. And when you're talking about breaking in a new quarterback, the last thing you need is an offensive line that's not, you know, together. So um, I don't really have concerns with quarterback under Ryan Day until he proves me otherwise. But if the offensive line can't block for the quarterback, then I think that's a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, looking specifically at, at the Indiana game, IU has not beaten Ohio State since 1988. I think they tied in 1990. Um, Ohio State will cover the spread, which I think is 28 points, 28 and a half points. They'll cover the spread if they do this one thing well. Don't shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, I think, like, look, anyone again, anyone objectively would, would say, obviously, there's a talent, big talent gap between these teams. Um, and I think if Ohio State, you know, penalties, turnovers, stupid plays, just, you know, you eliminate that. They should be able to ultimately like play it pretty safe in the passing game to Harrison and hand it off, <laughs> you know, hat on hat block and score a bunch of points. And I think the defense will play pretty well where like, you know, we're talking what here, like a, what does it have to be like a 40, 42, 10 type of game. Like, I think that that's totally possible. I'm not, I, you know, I hate those big spreads. I never take them because especially week one, you never know and garbage time and things like that, but don't shoot themselves in the foot and, and it should be a pretty decisive victory for Ohio state. And on the other side, Ohio state will struggle if they don't, if they don't do this. Yeah. I mean, look, I, the easy answer is obviously to say is like, don't not shoot themselves in the foot or whatever the right, <laughs> double negatives there are, but I, I think, you know, um, I'll, I'll just say from like a defensive standpoint, if the things I talked about earlier about like allowing those explosive plays and, you know, kind of freestyling a little bit, playing out of position, being a little too aggressive, allowing Indiana to, to hit, get some big hitting plays on offense that, you know, not only obviously keep them in the game, but give them confidence, especially early on. I think that that's where they can find themselves in a little bit of trouble. And I would also, the other one, one B answer would be uh, not block people. Um, Cause that's an easy way, you know, to get your running backs blown up before they could get any yards and to have your quarterbacks not be able to, to make plays. But um, either one of those things I think could, uh, could make the game closer than, than it should be. I, I have a hard time seeing Ohio state losing, but, you know, I've seen – we saw – we also Appalachian State beat Michigan. So, uh, crazier things have happened. We've seen some crazy IU-Ohio State games, too, with some crazy – No doubt about that. Onside kicks with Kevin Wilson. We saw <laughs> Michael Penix. I mean, IU yeah. lost the game by seven points. Yeah. You know, running for negative one yards, which you would ask anybody who knows football, it's probably not going to happen ever again. Um <laughs> But Alex, thanks for joining me. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find you and uh, and read your things. Yeah, absolutely. You can, guys can find me at BuckeyeHuddle.com. 
Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Alex Gleitman. Uh, and uh, our, our site handle is at Buckeye Huddle. So we put out a bunch of a uh, bunch of free content. Um, you know, our X's and O's guys do really good breakdowns too. So there could be some really good stuff to see uh, in the coming week, kind of both looking at Indiana as well as, you know, maybe looking at a little bit what to expect from Ohio State. All right. Thanks, Alex. Always a pleasure uh, talking to Alex Gleitman of the Buckeye Huddle. Uh, you know, we have game week coming up in, in 10 days. You can come to HoosierHuddle.com, uh, get all the previews, the positional previews, uh, countdown to kickoff and all of that. You can listen to our preseason podcasts on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back uh, with Opponents Roundtable all season long.